Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, a Do More Ag Foundation envisions a culture in agriculture where all farmers are encouraged, empowered, and supported to take care of their mental health. This can only happen through awareness about mental health and breaking the stigma that currently exists while still building a community of support and resources for those impacted and affected. Executive Director Adele Stewart says producers need to realize they are not alone and they have an entire industry behind them. So, talk more, ask more, and listen more. Adele will talk about the group's efforts to keep the conversation on mental health going, the Mental Health First Aid Certificate Program, and what their goals are for the coming years. And the chief agricultural economist with Farm Credit Canada is suggesting a moderate increase in the average value of farmland across Canada. FCC's mid-year review shows the national average for farmland values increased an average of 3.7% for the first half of 2020 and is in line with the mid-year results for the past five years. J.P. Gervais will tell us about the trends for farmland prices and explain why Canadian agriculture has shown a great deal of resilience in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. After the break, Adele Stewart. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Adele Stewart is the executive director with Do More Ag Foundation. And we're talking about the important work of the organization and the completion of another round of mental health first aid training. Adele, this group got its start because of the realization that the support really was needed for farmers. For sure, yeah. I think you kind of started it there. It was an organization simply born out of need. Um, the four co-founders, it actually started with two of the co-founders who were running an egg tech app who did a fundraiser, a t-shirt campaign promoting mental health and agriculture. Um, There's kind of a lack of where those funds could go to that they would be um, directed straight and only two producers so um, they kind of got together with the other two co-founders and then as well there was a, a tweet that went viral that Kim Keller had posted in June of 2017 talking about how farm stress is real uh, farm suicide is real and that kind of calling on the agriculture community that we needed to do more um, that went viral and kind of Fun from there into actually launching the foundation nationally uh, just about seven months later in January of 2018. So I would assume there was a vision of what the group would look like and what it could do. So what was the goal and uh, then the process to get to that point? Yeah, I mean, we started, we've grown leaps and bounds and continue to snowball at a, at a rapid pace. But at the foundation where we started was based on three pillars. One is of awareness, um, so just basic awareness, starting the conversation about mental health and agriculture, um, being the ones to stand up and, and say, you know, we'll talk about this first and, and provide a safe space for those who are ready to talk about it to follow. So awareness, anti-stigma, you'll see those come out in our national campaigns and things like that. Then the second pillar is um, education. So trying through our community fund. And our workshops and things like that, taking education to producers to 
start their mental health literacy journey, enhance their mental health education journey um, for content that is specific to the unique um, factors of agriculture. So we developed, uh, we started off issuing or or certifying mental health first aid, um, but that is not an ag-specific program. So we actually developed our own workshop, a half-day seminar called Talk, Ask, Listen, that is mental health literacy and education that is directed to Canadian producers. Um, So that's the second pillar. And then the third pillar is um, continuing the advocacy for research in this area. There's now been two studies we're very proud to have been um, on the the committee and funding partner for the latest report that's come out from Farm Management Canada, um, Healthy Minds, Healthy Farms. So the importance of research under our umbrella is to see the statistics of the prevalence of mental illness in producers start to turn around and drop. Um, we're not seeing that, that yet as of this latest report, so we know we still have work to do. It's really no surprise that it's uh, really difficult to access some of those supports in rural areas. So what has the foundation been doing with this in mind and uh, in order to make services available regardless of where you live? Yeah, it's kind of twofold. One is the accessibility of services and two is the accessibility of relevant services. Um, Producers, what we hear at a grassroots level, they want to talk to somebody. If they're going to call or if they're going to go, they want to talk to somebody who understands agriculture. Um, it's hard enough to pick up the phone or to walk into that office and, and um, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve about what's going on. But in addition to that, having to educate somebody about why egg is so unique is especially taxing. Um, so that's direct from the mouth of the producers and echoed in um, SMC's most recent research as well. 76% of producers want to talk to somebody, a mental health professional who understands life on the farm. Um, so those two things combined are, are um, you know, why we first developed the workshop and the work we're going to continue um, to do. We started linking through egg experienced mental health professionals um, on our website, we have a handful of them up there now and up an uh, application process for those who fit that criteria as well to be listed um, free of charge. I'm speaking with Dumore Ag Executive Director Adele Stewart, and we're talking about mental health first training for farmers. So um, you've completed your second year of mental health first aid certificate program. So run through what that looks like for someone who might be interested but not sure what's involved. Yeah, the the results have been outstanding. Um, the participants, uh, we continue to keep in contact with many of them, actually, who've either taken it or been the community leaders. Um, the feedback we get each time we complete a course is uh, can honestly bring tears to your eyes for the most part um, about the empowerment that they feel, um, the community that they um, experienced as part of that group and then the knowledge that they carry forward to um, better identify in themselves and in others who may be struggling with um, mental uh, stress or mental illness, um, arm them with the ability to understand how to have conversations, but more importantly, how to have conversations safely and responsibly with the level of training um, that they as an individual producer have just received. So um, it's very 
it's very, um, yeah, like I said, safe and responsible and, and advocating and understanding when you need to pass that conversation when it's gone kind of over your your experience level and then how to access appropriate resources um, to triage to a different level of mental health care. So this is so important. These people are there to provide support, but they're not therapists, but they come to this with an understanding really that's um, of the unique circumstances around farming. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's about supporting within your means and then breaking down the barrier and stigma to having these really scary conversations um, when you've never had them before and been experienced in mental health. So it's a, it's a stepping stone and often it's that first one is the biggest one and we're really proud to be um, taking that to um, producers. How impactful has it been having farmers speaking out about their own mental health? It certainly is a difficult subject. We talked about the stigma that's involved. Have those voices been a turning point in this whole process? Yeah, I mean, that's why the foundation started. You know, Kim Peller, Leslie, um, our board of directors are all very um, adversarial in this realm as well. And our primary producers on top of that. So, we wanted to, under that first pillar of awareness, we wanted to create that safe space to say, we're going to talk about this um, and we're going to keep talking about it. And as we continue to do that, now what is more important is that individual producers are coming forward and talking about it. They're participating in our campaigns. Um, their words are showing up in, in our media they're writing some of our guest blog articles, and that's really what this is about, the tur- like the, the turning curve of empowering producers at a grassroots level to talk openly about mental health, and that makes all of the work that, that we did initially uh, worth it. And really listening to or reading about those personal experiences and the privacy of your own home has been an important uh, item too. Anyone who's reluctant to speak up can still have access to this information in a very safe way. Absolutely. You know, yeah, not everybody's willing to, you know, um, be interviewed by the media and talk about mental health, but they might be willing to, you know, write a blog or then to to read those things as well. They don't have to have their face seen in a, in a group is still there's, we're making a lot of progress and a lot of people are standing up at the mic to share their story, um, you know, pre COVID at the, um, you know, at the trade shows and things like that. But those who aren't ready to, we meet everyone where they're at and, and those written articles and we're doing a webinar at the beginning of, of October that people can take from the comfort of their home. Um, you know, we really want to reach everyone at any level so we can, again, take that first step and then continue the path together. Adele, you have a webinar series that uh, is another way to reach out to producers. Tell us about that. So the webinar is our, our workshop, Talk, Ask, Listen, um, just in the virtual model. So as well, it's, so it's usually a half day when we do it in person, um, but that's a long time to sit in front of a computer, especially for we want to reach producers and it is harvest. Um, so things can be unpredictable. And so we've broken it down into about 40 to 60 minute modules each over the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of um, Mental Illness Awareness Week. For anyone who isn't able to take part and would like to catch it later on, how do they do that? Yeah, there is a registration. It will open on um, Monday, September 21st on our website. 
So what are you working on now? Well, honestly, right now with um, with it being fall, that's when we start to wrap up for the Community Fund 2021. Um, those trainings take place uh, from about January, the bulk of them from January to May uh, each year. So we are really focused on that, um, enhancing our resources and um, our, we're going to have a national campaign that comes out in November um, to wrap up harvest and get ready for the holiday season. So that's what's on our, our immediate, you know, next quarter agenda. And then we've got some really exciting stuff um, coming down the pipeline that uh, we will share when we're just a little further down the process. For the Talk Ask Listen, we've already served over 350 individual producers. That's fantastic. Do more Ag Executive Director Adele Stewart. After the break, J.P. Gervais with Farm Credit Canada will share the latest stats on farmland prices and where he sees the value of land going in the coming year. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Farm Credit Canada Chief Agricultural Economist J.P. Gervais is here to discuss the latest farmland value report and what this means for producers. Uh, J.P., the FCC mid-year report uh, has been released, so explain who uses this report and, and how it's used. Well, I do think it's important for producers and farm operators in general to get a sense of what's going on in the marketplace and if you think of farmland uh, in terms of asset values for a, a large majority of farms, that's, that's oftentimes the most significant asset that they have on the farm. So we always, uh, we as a financial institution, we make a case for reviewing your financial plans, you know, often uh, building the risk management plan on your farm both accounting from a marketing standpoint as well as from a financial standpoint. And so getting information on what is going on in the farmland market, it makes sense to understand uh, the financials on your farm, where is your balance sheet at, uh, if you have you know a few risks uh, in, in the next few months, then perhaps you know, you're accounting for where you're at gives you a sense of what needs to be done. And, and on the flip, Flip side, you know, there might be some opportunities down the road and also understanding where you stand when it comes to your balance sheet makes makes total sense to me. So we are making every effort to release as more as most as much information as we can. So we do uh, usually our, our full report on a calendar year basis, but mid year we've uh, announced the second consecutive year in which we've released it uh, uh, looking at the first six months of the calendar year, twenty twenty in this case. Overall, across Canada, what are you seeing price-wise and what factors are influencing the price of land right now? Well, the, the overall increase for the first six months, so January to June, the end of June 2020, is at 3.7%. Uh, so overall, like, the market seems to be fairly strong and they'll show a bit of strength and growth, you know, in some cases. Uh, just to get an idea of the growth or potential growth of farmland values. What we did as well is look at the last 12 months. So from a 12-month to 12-month perspective, right? So looking at July 2019 to June 2020, um, the pace of increase in Canada overall is at 7.1%. So that's quite strong because the previous calendar year, the entire 2019, we were at 5.2%. So, you know, farmland values are still going up. Um, we said in the past that they're going up at a slower pace. Yeah, you know, if you look at the most recent 12 months, it, it shows a little bit of an increase, a small one, but nevertheless, a little bit of an increase in the rate of growth of farmland values. 
But looking at where that's, or at the national level, and looking at where this is coming from, really there are two provinces that account for this acceleration, slight acceleration in the rate of growth, uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta. In the case of increase in Saskatchewan is at 7.9% in the last 12 months, and that compares to the 6.2 in 20, for the entire 2019. So a couple of reasons for that. I mean, so a province like Saskatchewan is obviously, you know, a lot of the cash receipts or the, the makeup of the province when it comes to farming, uh, farming operations is crops of grains and oil seeds. And in the first 12, in the first six months or of this year, we've had some, some strong performance of grains and oil seeds. The receipts went up 6.3% for the first six months of, uh, of this year. So strong farm income, that's, that's certainly one of the reasons why we are seeing a little bit of a, a slight acceleration in in the rate of growth of farm rent values, interest rates um, were low to begin with, you know, in the year, but then we know now that they're even lower than the when we started the year. So again, that gives, that, that supports the demand for farm rent. And there's still quite a bit of a, a tight availability, I would call it, in, in, when it comes to farm rent. There's not a whole lot of, of land that is available for sale. And with this tight supply, I think that tends to support prices as well. So explain what the differences are regionally according to the type of farmland and uh, the significance of those numbers. Yeah, so I mean, obviously the devil's in the detail in the sense of, you know, when you're looking at a provincial average, uh, you have to, 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 to stop and think about whether or not this provincial average applies to wherever you're located, right? So, of course, you know, if you look at some of the drivers of this percentage, uh, percentage increase that we're reporting, um, I would say that farm operations are still very careful and cautious about what the price they'll pay for farmland. And so we're looking at the average price of land, maybe in that bottom half of the market when it comes to overall quantity, soil type, you know, and all those things that will have an impact on yield and so forth. I mean, I would say that perhaps more of the increase is driven by that that bottom half of the market than that top half, right, where land is most expensive. Uh, you know, if you look at a province like Ontario, for example, with a reported increase of 0.4%, 0.4% for the first six months, and that's not too surprising considering that land values are already quite high, you know, when expressed in dollar terms. So I do think that some of the results that we're reporting and some of the sales that we're seeing in our data set suggest that you know, farm operations are still very cautious and they, most operations would acknowledge that less, uh, that farmland has become less, uh, less, or less affordable, I would say, in the last few years, that the price of land relative to farm income has gone up. I think that is the reason why I would say farm, you know, Farm operations overall are a little bit more cautious. I mean, said that, there are some opportunities continuing to see that farmers and farm operations invest, and that drives uh, the, the increase that uh, we're reporting. J.P. Gervais with Farm Credit Canada is our guest, and we're talking about the continuing demand for farmland. Uh, J.P., what does this latest report suggest in terms of the overall confidence, especially in this COVID era? No, absolutely. If you think that, you know, it shows, you know, that uh, most uh, people in the industry are still quite optimistic about the future of the industry. I mean, there are, and that's not to deny that there have been some significant 
disruptions in some supply chains, livestock for the most part, if you think of the hog supply chain as well as the cattle supply chain, they've been hit hard and that's been uh, having an impact uh, for sure on the revenues of, of producers and farm operators if you think of hogs and, and cattle more specifically. But overall, when you look at grains and oil seeds, I, 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 you know, looking at, again, the first six months, looking at where prices are right now, looking at the size of the crops, the 2020 crop, I think the outlook for crops remains optimistic or remains positive. I think that shows up as well in terms of how operations are, are setting up their investment plans for the future. So it's been a bit of a mixed outlook here. I mean, we've had some really difficult months when it comes to livestock supply chains. Whereas if you look on the crop side, especially for grain and oil season pulses, we've had export cases been um, above last year. Prices, I said, are moving up. We've got a good crop coming in. So there's a little bit of optimistic optimism in the industry because of that, you know, despite the COVID-19 crisis and the damaging impact it has had on the supply chain. I mean, you know, from a, a crop standpoint, I think things are, are, are positive in terms of an outlook. So there's always risk involved when you consider uh, purchasing land. Uh, what is FCC and the agriculture sector watching for right now? Well, I believe that, you know, the secret rests with what's going on with the comes to demand that we face, right? The demand that the world, the global markets have for our commodities, I think, is critical to sustain any type of growth in cash We've got a good crop, I mean, good in the sense of extremely sizable crop coming in in 2020. Prices for some of the different commodities have been moving up, and I do think that's going to push receipts, you know, give a little bit of a swing in receipts. Maybe there's going to be a little bit of a decline, you know, when it comes harvest time, that usual type of seasonality. But overall, I do think that uh, the demand appears to be strong. Now, on the livestock side, we'll get some... some prospects for, for, for strong demand as well going forward. I mean, we have, you know, production in the U.S. that's slightly increasing, but because of the African swine fever outbreak in, in China and now other parts in the world, Germany is to be specific, um, I do think that the prospect and the outlook for, for export demand for Canadian red meat is also quite positive. And so, um, do you think that when you look at the next uh, little while here before the end of the year and into early 2021, and the one thing that I'm going to be monitoring is really that pace of exports, the strength of the demand for uh, meat and, and grain and oil seeds that uh, we expect uh, to, to continue going forward? But of course, there are concerns about the how how the pandemic can impact all sectors, including farmland. Uh, I believe that the outlook for the demand for the commodities that we sell is positive. I think the risk, obviously, is that any type of second wave of the virus could slow down the global economy and, and impact in a negative way the demand that uh, some of the export markets have for the commodities that we sell. So I think this is balancing the risks and rewards. I think the outlook remains positive, but there's quite a bit of risk that you know is still uh, in the marketplace when it comes to the, the health of the global economy and the pandemic that we're in right now. So overall, I think for foreign farm operations, it doesn't change that they need to have a strong risk management plan going forward. Farm Credit Canada Chief Agricultural Economist J.P. Gervais. It's time for the weekly Agriculture News Roundup for September 14th. There should be few issues finding export markets for Canadian peas in the coming year. 
Market analyst Chuck Penner says 2019-20 P exports were about 3.7 million metric tons. That's not far off the 2016-17 season when 4 million tons were sold. The difference between the two years is that India was the big buyer in 2016. Now China is the dominant buyer of Canadian yellow peas. Penner expected Chinese purchases will continue over the next year following flooding in various regions. The federal, provincial and territorial agriculture minister's meeting was delayed again. The ministers agreed to change the virtual meeting to November to accommodate a Saskatchewan election. That way, all agriculture ministers could attend. The meeting was originally scheduled for July and had been changed to October. The Canadian Barley Research Coalition will provide $2.7 million to the University of Saskatchewan's Crop Development Centre. The funds will be used to develop barley varieties with improved agronomics, disease resistance and end-use quality. The CBRC is a collaboration among the Barley Commissions in Saskatchewan, Alberta and Manitoba. The last round of producer funding provided to the CDC saw the registration of two new malting varieties and three new varieties will be released in the next five years. A three-year initiative will focus on improving how agricultural plastics are recovered and recycled. It's called Building a Zero Plastic Waste Strategy for Agriculture and will be led by Clean Farms, a non-profit industry stewardship organization. Project's objectives include building a consensus on the management of non-organic agricultural waste to survey farmers to establish current patterns of disposal and demonstrate the best practices in ag waste management through pilot programs. And a new website will help farmers prepare for emergencies, contingency plan and improve their capacity to face uncertainty. AgriResponse.ca is set up so producers can ask or vote for questions they would like answered, find the answers to questions asked by Canadian farmers and access funding, tools, programs and resources. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.